0: Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Nate. And I'm Mike.
1: Looks so like we got another
0: uh, we got another girthy bastard here tonight, huh?
1: <laughs> yes, we do. We're gonna smoke the Maduro Howitzer.
0: Yeah, Rocky Patel, the Edge Howitzer. Um, but this is the Maduro, not the Connecticut.
1: This thing is so girthy that I cannot get my V-cup uh, to work on it. I had to do a straight cut, and it was just the tip. (laughs) Definitely impressive. Yes. Well, my first impression is that it's going to be good. That mirrors mine. No, it's not sour or tangy or anything weird.
0: That was fun uh, last episode to have a guest on.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was good. And he missed out on uh, a lot of the pol- political things that have happened over the last couple days. So.
0: Probably best. We want him back, best. don't we?
1: Yeah, we'll have to have him back. Discuss his uh, views on current events.
0: Yes. Um, this is your reminder to silence your phone.
1: That was not my phone. Oh, yes, it was. Uh-oh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it was. Yeah. You know, I usually don't worry about it because uh, I get my calls and uh, text messages through my computer when my computer's on. So you can't hear them. Oh, okay. But if I get a message through uh, Facebook or something or a lightning strike, then you'll hear it. i'm out of practice
0: So all good our dual vacations yeah so uh where did you go on vacation
1: we went to wisconsin
0: nice to uh,
1: go to rock fest so that was good sarah's more into the metal music than i am but there was quite a few shows that i enjoyed
0: um, yeah, I didn't see the full lineup, but it, uh, some of the bands I wouldn't necessarily classify as metal.
1: No, some of them were new metal, Um some of them were just regular rock. But there was some, some heavy metal. Yeah, very heavy metal. Um, all the older bands were very good performances, whether I liked their music or not. But
0: well, that's good.
1: Yes. Shout out to Cowboys from Hell, by the way. They're a uh, Pantera cover band from Minneapolis that was there, and they were pretty good. So, So, okay. If you see them, I would go watch them. Okay. uh, You know, they're like all guys in their 50s. Yeah. uh, Doing Pantera covers, but they were really good.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yep. (laughs) They're all in the crowd drinking beers with us and (laughs) shit. just chilling you know (laughs) which you know like i think uh the singer's wife had a kia a kia sorrento that they loaded all their shit into you know it's like of course they're they're a cover band so (laughs) these guys all have jobs you know (laughs) yeah
0: well if they're good at what they do and they're having fun that's all it comes they
1: were they were good
0: anything else you do over in uh
1: Ah, uh, we went to the Lainey's Lodge because it's uh, right next to Chippewa Falls. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went over to the Lineese Lodge, and that was a lot of fun too.
0: Yeah, so, we went there once.
1: Oh yeah. Did you uh, have their their uh, pretzel?
0: I don't think so. I don't remember a pretzel.
1: We uh we had the pretzel. And the mustard had wasabi in it, and it was genuinely hot, which I was uh, very surprised at, you know, because most of the Midwestern hot stuff is... Yeah, it's
0: Midwestern hot. It's not uh, hot anywhere else.
1: Yeah, but this was like wasabi hot. Uh, It was good. Uh, For those who don't know, I like very hot food, uh, occasionally. Not like every single day, but Sarah can barely eat my curry, even when I really try to... Not put any spice in it, but I make it Indian hot as, uh, my buddy Raj used to say. Nice.
0: <laughs> we'll have to do some curry stuff sometime.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't really follow a recipe. I learned how to cook curry from a couple of Nepalese guys that I went to college with. Um, so I just kind of have all the spices and gore it in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, we, sure do, uh, good. we do curry burgers every once in a while, and those are really good on the grill.
1: Curry burgers? Do you put curry paste, curry powder on hamburger or something?
0: Yeah, when you're mixing it, you know, if you're making a mm. uh, hamburger patty from scratch.
1: Sure. Do you just do the curry powder, or do you do, like, all of the spices, you know, the garam masala and the cardamom? Oh, I
0: don't know. I've never made them. I mean, I grill them, but uh, oh, I've never i never mix them up. Uh, but I think it's probably just the curry, maybe a few other things, but none of the really fancy stuff. So. Sure.
1: I uh I always cook with the. Uh, uh, cast iron. And I think that's oh, okay. part of the secret too. You know, so if you I like to cook real low and slow, and cast iron does a really good job at that.
0: Yep. So. Yeah, we went camping fan. last year, and I got to break out my um, cast iron Dutch oven, so that was a lot of fun. Nice.
1: Nice. Sometime you'll have to come over and we'll do stir fry. Yeah, that'd be good. So I have a cast iron stir fry pan that sir got me for Christmas a couple years ago. Okay. And uh, it's kind of really nice to be able to make stir fry right at home. But, uh, anyway, how was your vacation?
0: It was good. Just uh, flew back in this uh, this early afternoon here, so we ran out to New York City uh, to go see the Music Man on Broadway. Uh, we got tickets I don't know a little over two years ago, and then the pandemic hit and pushed everything back uh, a couple years. So, uh, but we that was our first thing. We landed in uh, Newark Airport, and we went right to Broadway, um, and. It was Hugh Jackman in The Music Man starring in the title role. So that was pretty pretty exciting to see him and uh, one of my favorite musicals. Oh,
1: nice. So is uh, he but, real or is he a lizard person?
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure he's real. Um, I want to say that the, for the bits that involved him hanging off the ceiling, they were using wires. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Because it looked like he did catch a fly with his tongue, but uh, I don't know. Uh, But, of course, uh, then after that, you know, we saw pretty much all the sights, but it was middle of the heat wave out there, and it was going to be about 100 again today. Uh, So to land and have it be, you know, 72 or 76 or whatever it is, (laughs) it's really nice. Yes, I bet. I bet. Yeah, I guess we were out there for probably five days or so. And I uh, saw a lot of the sites, and I had been there before, but I uh, got to see a lot of things I didn't see the first time and got to re-see some things that I did see the first time. So,
1: Good. I, uh, you're going to you're gonna find this humorous, potentially. Uh, Sarah didn't. She thought it was a great idea. So I've been vetching for the last oh, four or five years about, how bad modern bowling shoes are, which uh, <laughs> I had a very narrow uh, issue, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even my buddy, I have a, a really good friend that I uh, bowl with tournaments with. He lives down in the metro, and uh, he works at a very large bowling alley as a manager. And uh, he's got old-ass SST4s, which is meaningless what's the numbers, but he wears the same bowling shoes as he had when we were in high school. Okay. I actually wore my bowling shoes I had in high school until 2008, or not 2008, 2018. And the only reason why I got rid of them is because they were in a fire and got destroyed. <laughs> okay. So I've uh, since 18, I've wore out three pairs of bowling shoes. Well, two pairs and the third one. I'm on my third pair now since 18. So I went yeah. on to eBay and I've been looking for the last maybe two years. And I finally found myself two pairs of old school bowling shoes. Nice. And uh, I'm so excited. I got the first pair in today. And I'm going to take them in. Uh, they're uh, black and white, like spats style. You know, the spats okay, style yeah, yeah. shoe? Yeah, yep. yeah. And I'm going to bring them in. And they're actually welted, like a boot. So I'm going to bring them in. And I'm going to have them take the bottoms off and have them put a slick of leather with some Velcro on the bottom. Hopefully they can do it. Uh, if if they can't do it here in town, or at least in this area, uh, I'm gonna bring it down to the metro because there's one. There is a uh, a shoe shop that specializes in bowling shoes, or they will work on people's old bowling shoes because okay,
0: it's
1: kind of a commonly held belief that uh, the new bowling shoes are shit. Yeah, know? and uh, and then I got a pair of. Uh, Again, the numbers are irrelevant. I got a pair of Dexter SST-5 LXs, which are kangaroo leather. And those are the exact pair of shoes I had when I was in high school that lasted me 20 fucking years. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) These pair, the other pair is a pair like my dad had in the early 90s. He had those for 17, 18 years too.
0: Okay. So,
1: but yeah, I was like. And they're uh, they're leather they're they're real leather and they have a leather lining. The ones that I just got,
0: so okay, they're nice. very high
1: quality. Like they're actually yeah. a high quality shoe that happens to be a bowling shoe. Versus the stuff now is all plastic and cloth and they just suck. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: One all of them synthetic.
1: Half. Yeah, it's all synthetic. Yeah, I cracked the sole one, but I I cracked the sole of one in half after like eight months. And then a second pair I wore through the bottom, pushing through, you know, pushing. It's just crazy. They're just shit. And these are $220 bowling shoes, you know. So I guess I'm going to go back to yesteryear and (laughs) see if these these shoes are as good as I seem to remember that they were. (laughs) But I'm guessing they are like I say, my buddy's probably a, is a, a manager at a bowling alley down there. He's wearing shoes that are over 20 years old
0: <laughs> Yep.
1: <laughs> and he keeps on just fixing them.
0: <laughs> so speaking about yesteryear, I read an interesting, um, article <clears throat> on vacation. Oh, um, well, we were traveling. We did take the, uh, we took the subway from, um, uh, Long Island City, where we were staying, all the way down to Coney Island. So it was about, I don't know, hour and a half, two-hour uh, train ride down there. Um, but it was uh, it was about the 50-star uh, United States flag. Hmm. Do you know much about uh, how that came to be?
1: I do know the story. At least I, I know a version of the story. I'm not sure if it's true or not.
0: Okay, what's the version that you've heard?
1: Uh, The version I heard was that uh, back in the 50s when they added in Alaska and Hawaii, they held a contest for the new flag and like a middle schooler designed one uh, for a class project and the teacher said that it stank. So he got so mad that he entered it into the contest, he ended up winning, which I am not sure if that is a true story or not, but that is the version I heard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, that is the that is the fake story.
1: <laughs> so but, I believed a lie.
0: <laughs> but that's also that's also the story that they tell on uh, Wikipedia. And oh, so, just for those of you who uh, and his name was Bob Heft, and it was like 1959 or something. But they had just annexed or um, given statehood to Alaska, and Hawaii was next. Um, and his story goes that he was uh, like 17 years old, a junior in high school. He had a <clears throat> project where he designed uh, for the class project. He designed a 50 star you know alternating uh, six and five uh, star rows, right? The one we're familiar with today. Yes. and the teacher gave him like a B minus and he was upset and he said, oh you know give me you should give me a better grade um, And the teacher, uh, allegedly said, well, if you present this to uh, Congress and get this approved as the official 50-star uh, American flag, I'll change your grade. And then the story goes that <clears throat> he sent it off to their congressman or something, and then he went to go work. Uh, I think he was doing, um, what was he doing? Some kind of like drafting or engineering type of drawing work. And uh, he claims to have gotten a call. I think it was Eisenhower at the time, uh, president.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> and, I think he was fifty-two to
0: sixty. And um, and uh, Eisenhower told him that his flag design had been been chosen, and he wanted uh, Bob Heff to come out to D.C. to unveil it. And uh, Bob uh, reportedly, or you know, self-reportedly, uh, put Ike on hold. And went to go ask his boss if he was able to take off that day. And then he went to D.C. and unveiled the 50-star flag. And then he came back and did uh, uh, very kind of mediocrely and unsuccessfully. Tried to get involved in local politics. Uh, in Mich- I think it was Michigan where he was. Um,
1: <clears throat> the trouble is this story entirely apocryphal?
0: <laughs> uh, the trouble is that the flag unveiling did not happen in dc Um, the president was i think at his house and it took place in virginia later that evening there's no record of bob heft ever going there there's no uh, proof of submission of anything there was no contest that was actually held Um, they had a booklet that was put together by you know, official government people of designs for a 50-star flag. Uh, the fact that, you know, Bob's matched one of those in that book. Um, the article I read kind of made it uh, sound like uh, there really wasn't much. The first, the first newspaper article was uh, that, they, that they published in his hometown was, you know, a student, Bob Haft, um, made the first 50-star flag in their town and it was one of the first 50 star flags to fly in that town or in that state maybe even, but there were no claims to him of having designed it. So, you know, for a hobby, maybe he made flags or he made a flag, you know, um, and then he flew it. And then it wasn't till later when, I don't know how it kind of came about. And I think he died in 2008 or 2009. but throughout the course of his life, somehow that story kind of revamped or revitalized, and he just kind of kept adding embellishments to it. And the article seemed to make it believe that, um, you know, he was a very good salesman and that maybe he even eventually, by the end of his life, was believing that story himself. Sure. Uh, but he, he used to go around, I guess, and give uh, tons of talks to, you know, Girl Scout groups and Boy Scout groups as the you know, designer of the 50-star flag, and then he would sell autographed copies of the flag, even though autographing the flag uh, is against the United States flag code, which we've talked about different uh, tidbits from the flag code before. But he would always tell people that he had uh, congressional approval to sign the flag because he designed the 50-star flag, uh, which, in fact, he didn't. But I thought that was very interesting, which led to another interesting tidbit that I didn't know, Uh, but Betsy Ross didn't design the very first Stars and Stripes either. What? There were two people, and I don't remember their names, one of which was the signer of the declaration. I think his name was Francis, Um, but he signed the declaration. He tried to go collect money uh, for his design, but the uh, Congressional or the Congress or the, um, whatever it was, uh, said no, because you weren't the only one we consulted on this. And there are other people that you could prove, uh, that they can prove that were there. Betsy Ross wasn't, wasn't there. Betsy Ross was indeed a flag maker and they did indeed pay her to manufacture flags for them, but there's no evidence that she gave any input into the design of the flag. Sure. Interesting. So I guess there's a whole uh, section of history or a whole subset of um, historical study solely around flags and flag design. But yeah, I was pretty blown away. Um, I mean, the story about the 50-star flag was interesting and, you know, how could this guy... You know, claim all of that. And he had pictures with a lot of different politicians. But uh, what people think is it was when all these politicians came to his hometown for the state fair and he was running for mayor or something. So, of course, he has pictures because he's in the same clothes and all of the pictures with these people. Um, so that's how they kind of deduced it was on the same day that he met all these people. But, uh, yeah, I didn't I had no idea about the Betsy Ross thing, uh, but they were kind of saying the uh, flag historians. There's a sp- specific name for it. I don't know what, what it's called. Off the top of my head, um, and I don't think I could pronounce it even if I did know. Um, but they said that it was kind of like one of those things, similar to our Sacagawea fact that we talked about, where it was kind of like they romanticized and it was woman suffrage and and to have a woman uh, design this flag and and be the sole designer and maker of old glory and you know just it fit the narrative of of that time of that era. Nothing against Betsy at all. Um, just as interesting when they do uh, <clears throat> do this history and then they do fake fake history or uh, you know preferred history or, or altered history and, and then uh, and then you have whole generations of people believing that Betsy Ross designed the American flag. Yes,
1: I was muted. <laughs> I was gonna say nothing against Sakakawea uh, either. S or Sakakawea. I know they call they call uh they call her Sakakawea on the Mandan, Mandan Hidatsa, in Arikara nation, so. Oh, okay. That's why I call her Sakakawea. I think she was Mandan, wasn't she? Pretty sure she was Mandan.
0: Could be. I know she um I know she was Kidnapped from her home tribe, but I don't know, I can't remember if she was kidnapped by the Mandans or kidnapped from the Mandans. Sure. Um, but she was one of the West coast tribes.
1: Oh, see the Mandan were, uh, located in central North Dakota.
0: Yeah. And they were like one of the yeah. first or second tribes that the expedition encountered, I believe. Yes. So I think it was, uh, I, I can't remember, um, can't remember the name of the tribe out there which uh, but, uh where um uh, out, out on west? the west yeah, oh, way out yeah out on i the don't west Coast. um speaking of uh indigenous tribes we went to a very pretentious museum uh we did we did research i did research before we went uh we had one of those city passes so we could you know you just show up and go to whichever museums you want uh, and everyone was saying, hey, don't go to the uh, Museum of Modern Art. Go to the Whitney, Whitney Museum of American Art. Go there. And okay. so we went there, and um, it was the most pretentious bullshit I had seen in a long time. Um, they had like all these really dumb questions all over, like, where is the Statue of Liberty? It's like, are you, but they were meant to be like thought provoking or like, they they were like looking down their noses at us, and mm-hmm. so then one of them in the stairwells was like, "Name at least one indigenous tribe," you know, and it's like, "Okay, okay, let's get the let's get the museum curator out here and let's see who can name more tribes, him or me." Um, right. Well, you know, I mean,
1: in the cities on the east and west coast, and in our national politics, they pretend like indigenous populations don't fucking exist so i mean in the zeitgeist of modern america unless you live in the rural parts of the country where there are indigenous populations still you probably don't think about it
0: yeah and i'm not you know i'm not i'm not trying to poke fun at that question it was just all of the questions were kind of like that where it was very condescending you mm -hmm. you know they put them up there because they were they were like well i'm holier than thou because i run an art museum and and i'm actually thinking about in- indigenous tribes and i'm thinking about where the statue of liberty is and i'm thinking about and it was like what and, and then it was like one of the questions was what's the ultimate law of the land and uh and sarah was like oh it's uh, you know do unto others and i'm like it's force that's what it is it's force you know yeah. <laughs> like there's no other um you know it's very just like condescending and and uh and whatnot, and and but here was the big kicker for me: is they have all these questions on the wall like that, that are you know, I guess they could argue they're designed to make you think, uh, but really I felt like they're designed to be condescending um, and make you feel guilty and hate yourself. Uh, but the earliest American art piece they had was from like 1911. What? And, and I was thinking, I was like, well, it, you're called the Whitney Museum of American Art why don't you have a whole Native American indigenous people's wing? Like, show me what they drew before, before the white people came here. Like, show me their art. Show me, you know, art from, you know, immigrants in the Bronx or something, you know, like anything, like anything. Show me, um, show me the
1: a p- photographs of the major mound systems going on along the Mississippi river from the pre borderline prehistoric uh, Mississippi
0: people. Yeah, from any American that was here before the white people got here. Like, don't be putting on your wall, name one indigenous tribe, and then not have any indigenous artists. And maybe they did. Maybe they did, but certainly not from before white settlers got here or white colonists got here, you know?
1: I have seen a lot of Incan and Mayan, and Navajo art that predates the landing of Columbus. You know, in pictures, not personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. But Where's the, I mean, uh, there's that uh, Plains Art Museum in
1: mm-hmm. North
0: Dakota? Yes. That's a phenomenal art museum. It is. That's a great art museum. Uh, I was very disappointed in in the Whitney. Uh, Sarah was too. I mean, they had, you know, like 18 Georgia O'Keeffe's. Um, she was born in Wisconsin, which I didn't know um, because they so put like... Birth- 18
1: pictures of flower vaginas is what you're saying.
0: Yes, and I can't <laughs> complain. Like, honestly, I can't complain. Right. Um, Have you ever well, seen you the
1: know, nudes, her nudes? No. She did a series of black and white uh, nude for photographs back in the day. Okay. Uh, now the, a,
0: oh, go there, on. Sorry. I
1: was going to say there was a pretty famous uh, early photographer... That did nudes of a lot of famous women back in the day.
0: That's First, disgusting. Who is it? Who is it? So that's I disgusting. Know. Who is it? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, so they had some, they had some George O'Keefe. Um, they had, uh, they had an Andy Warhol, um, which was cool. They had a lot of, um, they did have a lot of immigrants who were born, you know, say in Germany or, but they were all kind of like born in white. Anglo-Saxon areas, and then they, like, died in Queens or something. Um, Oh,
1: well, you know, people that are in New York love the smell of their own farts. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, but there are some that, like, died in California or something. But, you know, the the immigrants they had were modern. You know, they're all modern. And uh, I guess I was kind of – like, I knew there would be some modern because just of the style of the building, but – to call yourself the Museum of American Art, and limit yourself to 1910 and newer. Um, Did they have any grants? You know, like American
1: Gothic or.
0: I, you know, like that. I didn't see one. Apparently, they they had. Well, and I don't know how it works because we were talking to our friends who picked us up from the airport, and they said, uh, "Oh, I thought they had you know uh, the Nighthawks, like the diner's um, painting." That's a beautiful and painting. I haven't heard uh, that. Yeah, it's a great painting. I didn't see it there, but we hit like three floors, and then we were kind of like uh, gagging on their their pretension, so we left. But um, you know, they had the Warhol. They had a very small like pop art wing, um, and actually, that's where my favorite painting from their uh, gallery was, and it was called "Trademark with Eight Spotlights," and it was this like really huge painting of the twentieth century Fox logo. Uh, oh. But it was, like, really crazy and well done, I thought. <clears throat> but um... And then they had one, like, local guy. I think his name was, like, Hopper or something. Mm-hmm. And he Dennis he painted. Uh, no, it wasn't. I don't think it it's was Dennis. Dennis. No, Dennis Hopper is the actor. Yeah, the actor. Um, it was some other Hopper, I think. But he does a lot of, like, cinematic, cinematically framed paintings. Oh. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so it wasn't, like, a complete loss. But it just was fairly pretentious for uh and, you know and they had like seven floors of art or five floors of art or something and each each wing they like spaced the paintings out as far as they could it felt like and so i was kind of like we're we're getting taken advantage of here some somewhere <laughs> there's
1: a shitty charlie sheen movie that was made in the early 2000s and it was based oh, in only New York one city yeah i know right but, uh, something sticks out to me in it where, uh, you know, he's playing Charlie Sheen in the movie, of course, but he goes to an art show in New York and the artist was shoving paint up his ass and squirting it onto <laughs> canvas. God. And that is, that is what I think of when I think of liberal arts people in large cities.
0: Yeah. I think of, uh, Maude from Big Lebowski, <laughs> which she's flying naked on the zip line and just throwing the paint. Yeah. Um. there's a lot of like really interesting stories behind a lot of that stuff Um, and actually I was a I was a huge I was not a huge uh, fan of Andy Warhol and I thought he was full of crap and uh, I went to Tate Modern in London uh, who incidentally had uh, a phenomenal collection and they had a special exhibit which I paid extra for all on Salvador Dali and it was amazing And they had all of his, like, films that he helped out with and all of his sketches and paintings and stuff. Uh, But it wasn't until I went and saw an Andy Warhol in person, the Campbell's soup cans that he, like, recreated. Mm -hmm. And, like, I saw those in person and kind of read the story on them. And then I was like, shit, this guy's good, you know. Um, But it's one of those things. Like, you you can see art on the Internet. You can see pictures of it. And you can kind of like know what it is, but sometimes when you're standing there in front of it, that's when you get it.
1: Right. Or well, like was, with it, I uh, went to see the Chuck Close uh, traveling exhibit when it was at the Walker.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: it was kind of I did like Chuck Close. Don't get me wrong, but it was very impressive yes. in person. And a lot of that art is, too. I well, mean, and he still, still has anywhere. one
0: at uh, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, which is a free art museum, and their collection is is great. It's yeah, it's, have, a, it's uh, astonishing, actually. Frank there, I'm pretty sure. Yep, yep, they have yep, the, yep, they Frank. Frank. Yeah. Um, they've got some Picasso. Some They have some Salvador Dali, uh, some Maxfield Parrish. Um, you know, they've got more American art than the Whitney has, I would say.
1: Oh, probably. We went there... Uh, when we went to see Primus earlier this year, we swung by the. Oh MIA. yeah, yeah. So.
0: It's easy. It's easy at the at the MIA there to get lost in like their Chinese pottery wing, and it yeah. goes on forever. And you're like, "Fuck, I can't look at another Chinese pottery bowl. I need to leave." Um, but if you can avoid that section, unless you're hugely into Chinese pottery, um, everything else is is really w- well done there.
1: Yeah, they have some pretty impressive work. I know they had a lot of ta- medieval tapestries and stuff that I remember seeing. I was like, "Oh man!"
0: So I'm not sure. I think we're about halfway, or at least I'm a little I am less
1: than halfway myself. About,
0: I'm a little less too. Um, it's getting close. I don't know if I've noticed as significant uh, a taste change in this one.
1: I haven't, but it is almost overwhelming with how strong it is.
0: It's a very strong cigar.
1: It's good. It's, it's very good. It's very it also... strong.
0: it's it's got great airflow through it. Um, I'm always am- like I'm amazed every time I take a puff off of it how much smoke I have <laughs> coming up back out um, right which is great, I think. Um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't noticed a very significant taste change. Yet. So far,
1: I would say I like the Connecticut wrapper better. I would concur. No.
0: This is still an excellent cigar, though. Um, oh,
1: it is still a very good cigar. Yep. No, I like it. Have you been watching the news?
0: I've been on vacation, my man. Thank um, God. Thank <laughs> God.
1: So no, disappointing. No, I know. <laughs> I don't. Well, so, what's
0: what's been going on then? I guess is the uh, question.
1: I'm just disappointed that I live in like the nor- nether regions of Minnesota.
0: That's my I, choice, though.
1: I, I oh, I know that, but my congressman Pete Stabber is just trying to kill the future of America. You know what I mean? Such a piece of shit.
0: Well, with right. a name so like they, Stabber, he's got to kill something, and if it's not going to be hookers at the keggerator at the right, Capitol exactly. building, yeah,
1: I know. It's like, oh, what the fuck. The the house held votes. They're kind of straw votes on um, uh, passing a national um, birth control law and passing a national gay marriage law. And of course, oh yeah, uh, that piece of shit voted against both. You know, the guy down in southern Minnesota it was his name Mark Emmer.
0: So he uh, voted. He voted against.
1: He voted make, against making legal, gay making condoms make, legal okay. in all fifty states. And he okay. voted against fucking. Well, it wasn't just condoms; it was a lot of other stuff too. Well, yeah. Fundamentally, it's like birth control, right? Like, come yeah. On. We don't even. We don't have it's Shocking that a Supreme Court decision is what made birth control legal nationally. Uh,
0: What's And then, um... of course,
1: the gay marriage thing, which only ten Republicans voted to legalize um, uh, nationally legalize uh, birth control. But 50 of them voted to legalize gay marriage interestingly enough
0: that's strange Um, ah, it is so I guess uh, I don't know maybe I know the answer to this Uh, why don't they want contraceptives are they really doing the Monty Python every sperm is sacred thing
1: you know when you look at the national polls which I've been following it somewhere around two percent of the country Believes that contraception should be banned.
0: So well, two percent. Then we should make sure that contraception is banned to pacify that two percent.
1: I know, and that's what I don't understand. It's like really, I mean, especially up up north, right?
0: <clears throat> well, even if you're this not, this is just not doing... a very
1: conservative area. Yeah, we have, I mean, people up here are not liberal in the sense of like. City liberalism, but there's not a lot of crazy Christians and there's not a lot of, you know, traditional, hardcore conservative types anywhere. There's a lot of Trumpers, but I think a lot of those people are more trolls than anything else, you know, because they'll vote for like
0: Democratic governors. (laughs) Well, those are the people, those are the people (laughs) that vote Democrat governors because they like the benefits of the democratic party but truly deep down they resonate with trump and what trump they, stands for you know and my dad even did that too because he used to work in minnesota but he lived in wisconsin so in wisconsin where he lived he'd vote republican so that his you know land tax was low but he vote democrat in minnesota so that his work benefits were better
1: right so he it's he a the very the interesting paradigm
0: you know. Um so contra I mean like um preventing a pregnancy aside. These people that want to ban contraceptives, what's their what's their plan for um, STDs and things?
1: Oh, they don't give a fuck.
0: That's but, like well, the I know they do church don't. and they're <clears throat> Well, and against- they don't care because any sex outside of marriage is a sin. And so if you get AIDS, why do they care? Well, nah.
1: We've talked about this before. A lot of political positions that are held by both parties, but a lot of political positions that are held are not based on any facts or information or reality. It's like the childish notions of people that are not directly affected by what they're complaining about. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Well, we talked, you know, the, the government's not supposed to make moral decisions. You know, they're not like the... The end all be all on morality, no. but they shouldn't be, and that was that was your argument. And if contraception uh, contraception is moral or not, shouldn't be the government's call. It should be do the citizens want it or not? And if two percent of the citizens don't want it, it must go. That a bigger percentage of Americans do want contraceptives,
1: right. and therefore I mean, they
0: should be legal everywhere. Like it shouldn't be it shouldn't even be an issue.
1: It's kind of like. Uh, Texas right now is talking about enforcing their sodomy laws again.
0: Uh, we talked about that the last time we smoked a howitzer.
1: Yeah, and it's like, just well, I, I hate the 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 position that oh Republicans are for small government. Like, no, you fuckers aren't. You guys are for huge government. It's just a different style of big government. Yeah, you know, a, it's a Christian big
0: government is what they want
1: well, there's a lot of Christian nationalism uh, in certain parts of the country, for sure. Yeah. Which, like I say, it's not prevalent where I live, uh, which is what makes Stabber's position on both of those issues so bizarre. Uh,
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? So bringing it back to um, vacations a little bit, but it's going to tie into this conversation. Um, When we were in New York... We smelled weed everywhere, right? Sure. Everywhere. We were on, we were riding the subway and this, this, uh, let's just say gentleman, uh, he sat down and he whipped out a big cigar and I was excited because I was like, oh yeah, okay. Maybe I should have printed up a bunch of like nice ashes stickers and plastered them all over the, uh, the city you know, for our podcast. And I was going to talk to him about our podcast, but he pulled out his safety razor, split that bitch down the center, dumped all the tobacco on the floor of the subway car. And, uh, he packed that thing full of bud. Sure. And, uh, apparently I guess it's legal to like possess and smoke weed in New York, but I don't know if it's legal to sell it, but all of the smoke shops there sell weed. So interesting. It's one of those things where it's the uh de facto ver- versus de jure, you know, like uh the written law versus uh what's law in practice.
1: Sure, isn't that like 18-year-olds are illegally allowed to possess and smoke tobacco, they're just not legally allowed to buy it or something like that?
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I I know they changed it to 21, I think here, didn't they?
1: I think that's national now.
0: National, but yeah. that's just buying it, not not um, consuming it or using it. I don't it, think right? so.
1: I think that you're legally allowed to consume it at 18.
0: Okay, um, so I mean, it's interesting because they can make laws, but then do they enforce those laws? And then that's uh, the question. You know, why did they even make the law in the first place, or why wouldn't they go all the way? Because I th- um, and that happened here too, didn't they legalize edibles
1: here yes. in Minnesota
0: because the Republicans didn't bother to read the. The package? Yes. They
1: legalized cannabis-based edibles instead of... uh, CBD or whatever? Hemp-based edibles that were illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they limited it to five grams or five milligrams of gummy or something like
0: that. A serving, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, you know, other states that have legal weed and have legal dispensaries and stuff, some of those are five... Per serving some are 10 some are 15 per serving um it just kind of depends on the state sure
1: i'm not allowed to imbibe anyway so
0: no no I no i never i never said you were or whatever benefits it's not no right, i just I thought it was say, interesting because we were uh, we were there and we were like "Is lead we is weed legal here and uh my initial search was that no it's not uh not legal to sell anyway sure um and then it's like well why are all these places selling it well it's legal for everyone to own and smoke so why wouldn't they sell it and why wouldn't selling it be legal you know you're already most of the way there just
1: oh it's so bizarre and the marijuana laws are kind of like an example of how the state system can only work so far when the national government already has a rule about it you know what i mean that's where i don't know it's it's bizarre very bizarre we're gonna end up being that way with a lot of things i think it's gonna get worse before it gets better i have the feeling
0: yeah i'm i'm with you there on that i think even with the contraceptives because you've got uh well i guess even with abortion even now like certain companies are saying hey we'll pay for you to cross state lines to go get an abortion for any of our employees or, you know, we'll make sure that's covered under our thing. Um, and the same will probably be true with contraceptives. Like what's to say that the business can't hand out contraceptives, you know, or what's to say they can't, I mean, I'm sure somebody could object, but you know, it's just like, why, why make it harder than it, than it has to be. It's
1: just like all this other stuff. These laws really only affect poor people because, uh, middle to upper income person can just order contraception online and have it delivered to their fucking house. And there's no way that the post office is going to. Well,
0: the, yeah, the post office isn't going to know as long control. as, as long as like Amazon doesn't say, Hey, we can't deliver to your state because they do that with some things like this product can't be delivered to, you know, like Delaware or something.
1: It, it would be an Adam and Eve. I mean, I think they're based in Nevada or something. Okay. Right? I mean, they don't care. They'll send it anywhere,
0: <laughs> or eBay, and, and, you, know and I mean? you know, and some of these like <laughs> private companies, they're not ever turning their their stuff over, even, even as much as you hate Apple, not you personally, you know, like I just in general, people as much as people hate Apple in general, uh, they've repeatedly refused to decrypt encrypted iMessages. You know, yes, and um, and I, that's in their best interest. They're not doing it because they love our freedom, but that's just in their best interest because they don't want to have to deal with all that shit. And so the best, right. the best solution they could come up with was, well, let's encrypt all of our iMessages and then say, we can't decrypt them. And then there, there you go. Like they're encrypted. Nobody else can read them except the intended recipient, you know, and the person who sent it. So
1: Amazon would comply. They've already admitted that they turn over nest video footage to the police when requested. So
0: yeah, they would comply. Um, but they've got a, a, monetary interest in complying. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Well, Bezos is getting tens of billions of dollars of subsidies from the federal government. So they're going to comply.
0: And some other big ones, big players might comply. Some big players might try and fight it, you know, um,
1: Oh, you know it.
0: But there's always, you know, there's always the cash. Like, hey, I sold this, but they paid cash. I don't know who it was. Um, We don't check IDs, that sort of thing. Well,
1: that's kind of like Pornhub there for a quick minute was hosting regular content when YouTube started cracking down on their uh, video content, you know.
0: And a few big
1: channels moved over to Pornhub.
0: Yeah, because you could (laughs) upload anything. I remember hearing about that.
1: Yeah, there's a, a channel that I watched called uh, Forgotten Weapons, and he moved all of his content over to Pornhub. Okay. He still posts on YouTube, but he also yeah. posts it on Pornhub now, too. And it's like very benign. He's like a weapons dealer that deals okay. with antique weapons. So he'll get like a really cool, weird 500 year old gun that he'll do a little episode on so people can learn a little bit about whatever kind of weird German. Flintlock blunderbuss or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Here's something that's a pain in the ass to shoot. It was designed by somebody drunk off their ass who'd never fired a gun before, but here it is anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, There's all kinds of of weird stuff. You know, and a lot of those antique, uh, (laughs) antique guns. Well, if, um, what is it? Pawn stars, if that's to be believed, uh, they have to kind of be decommissioned before you can sell them even in a lot of cases. So, you know, like a lot of those things aren't even operational.
1: Right. Yeah. And the weirder, the better, you know, for well, the weirder, the better.
0: My grandpa had a, I think it was a double barrel shotgun that was held together. The barrel was held onto the stock because it was what my grandpa's dad's dad used or something. It was, it was an antique, but it was like held on with like bailing wire or something <laughs> like they had used it for so long and, you know, they passed it down and passed it down. And, uh, and it was like the barrel was held on with that, and it was—I think it was a twisted iron barrel. So you you put one modern round through it, and the thing's gonna going to explode because it's twisted iron. It's not a single <laughs> solid piece like most modern barrels are today. Um, sure. So it's not—it's so, well. it's functional. You could shoot something through it, but it's one of those pieces we have in the family where it's this is an antique. This is not to ever fire because it will kill you or someone else or severely maim you like this is not something, um, you know, and even the oldest, oldest safely operable gun couldn't probably handle most modern ammunition. You know, you'd have to have to not.
1: Well, I was going to say, you know, I, uh, as you know, I'm a shotgunner, uh, was a shotgunner as a hobby. And, uh, even guns that are 30, 40 years old can't handle, Uh, a lot of modern ammunition. They're just not intended for the purpose. The barrels are too thin. Um, Yep. You know, they can handle weak lead load and maybe bismuth, but you can't shoot tungsten or steel or anything that's high powered, you know, high brass load. You certainly can't shoot a high brass load through it.
0: So. Well, and a lot of the places you would want to go and, you know, shoot your shotgun if you were using it for hunting purposes, you can't shoot the the lead or the other things. You need to use the environmentally friendly loads if you're hunting right. like wetlands, uh, specifically.
1: Wetlands and public lands. It, it also depends on the county. Yeah. Um, and there's like local regulations that, um, everybody has to follow. So it all depends. I always shoot high brass at animals anyway. Um, but that's a personal preference. High brass meaning, uh, high velocity. I like to shoot high velocity loads.
0: So I've heard that about you.
1: Yeah. I like, I like to make sure that they're dead. <laughs> I, nothing worse than like wounding an animal out in the field. Yeah.
0: So oh, clean, as as clean, concerned. clean shots and the right load, uh, right. go a long way.
1: Even when I was pigeon hunting or not, pigeon, yeah, well, pigeon hunting and, uh, Dove hunting, I'd shoot high brass at him So, but also good practice for later in the season, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Not that this is a hunting show.
0: <laughs> no, but it's also not not a hunting right. show. That's true. Um, it'd be fun to shoot some trap or skeet with you.
1: Yes. Well, I got uh, several throwers, and I even got an electronic one. Uh, so. We definitely got the setup here to do it yeah uh, whenever you come up we can throw many down range I don't know how many pigeons I have anymore I used to have barrels and barrels of them out there I'm not sure how many I have now
0: oh yeah but,
1: <clears throat> I haven't bought a promo loads for years either because they've been so damn expensive but everything's been like expensive
0: might not come down I don't think for a while I think we got to go through the crash crash first
1: yeah, we'll see uh, what happens in the next couple of years.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like every yeah. month, uh, like, what was it, last month, it was like, oh, yeah, eight-something, eight, eight something, the highest inflation in 40 years. And then I think this month or, you know, the previous month, I uh, was like, hey, the highest inflation of in over 40 years is nine-something percent. You know, and it's like, oh, my God.
1: And from what I understand, even that's a manipulation because the – index they used 40 years ago isn't the same index we use now and of course it's manipulated to make the inflation rate appear to be lower than it actually That's what is. i was going to say yeah yeah it's kind of like they redefined uh depression back in 08 <laughs> so they yeah. didn't have to have the second great depression
0: <laughs> yeah they called it a recession right it was like yeah the great, the great, great recession. recession yeah the great recession which somehow sounds better than great depression i guess so i mean i guess a little bit but <laughs> we've been depressed ever since i'll tell you that
1: well yeah certain parts of the economy have been fine it all depends on where you're i was at, just
0: talking know. mental health like everybody's been depressed since then oh
1: yeah yeah i suppose so there's some new research showing that depression is not necessarily caused by abnormal serotonin levels either okay so all this medicating that we've been doing is kind of pointless so yeah, we were talking that about that on our on our
0: vacation too, a little bit. Because uh, there's a lot of like depression meds out there that, um, if you're taking them, because the heat was so extreme when we were in New York, um, that you're not supposed to take those meds and be in extreme heat. And um, interesting, which led which led to kind of like the conversation of, you know, I'm not, and I'm not a doctor. Um, But our thought was kind of like some people need meds. If you need meds, that's not, there's no, there's no shame in that. You need, you need what you need. That's, that's life. You know, you need certain things. Um, But we were talking more about the healthcare system and how the healthcare system's final goal is let's get you on this med for life. Not let's use this med for, you know, six months to a year. And use that to transition you to a more manageable plan without meds, you know, to work through whatever issues you're needing to work through and get you off the meds. Like, the goal of healthcare isn't to get you off the meds, the goal is to get you on the meds and keep you on the meds. Like, in, in our country, anyway. Right.
1: It's to, I mean, the goal of the medical system is to make profit off of sickness and death. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why it costs so fucking much.
0: Yeah, and why our healthcare sucks?
1: It doesn't suck if you have money.
0: Nothing uh, sucks if you have money. very good insurance,
1: you know, which is kind of the same thing. Well, uh, fun fact or fun story. So when uh, Obamacare came into effect, I was uh, a traveling electrician, and uh, I was classified as having a Cadillac healthcare plan. So instead of paying the Cadillac healthcare plan insurance, my union decided just to make our insurance worse.
0: <laughs> well, of course.
1: Of course, right? <laughs> so we switched over to like an 80-20 Medicare plan instead yep. of what we had. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I had to do a blood test after Obamacare, and it cost me $1,800 out of pocket
0: to have a blood Christ.
1: test during a physical. Because <laughs> it was an eighty twenty with They raised the deductible up to some insane amount. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. But uh, obviously, it was more than $1,800. <laughs> At the time, there was only one blood lab that was approved by our insurance in the state of North Dakota, and it was in Bismarck. <laughs> yep.
0: That's yeah. That's the other thing, too, is... Uh with my company we've gone through a couple acquisitions and we used to be able to go to any pharmacy we wanted and so I always went to Walgreens because every town has a Walgreens and Walgreens the pharmacy is open 24 hours in a lot of Walgreens locations and uh, we got the new the new healthcare plan with the new bigger company and they said you can only fill your prescriptions at CVS. CVS is the only place you can get prescriptions filled Um, and there might be people that like CVS Uh, But CVS kind of sucks ass and they're not open 24 hours with their pharmacy. So you have to like bend your schedule around their schedule and then try and deal with CVS, you know, and it's like just you're already not paying for the drugs that I want to take, you know, because I'm diabetic uh, since I was four. There's a long term insulin that I really like, but guess what? It's not on the formulary. And uh, so I can't take it unless I want to pay for it out of pocket which is expensive as hell. And the person who developed uh, synthetic insulin that all diabetic people take nowadays um, wanted everybody to pay a dollar because it's so cheap to make. It's super cheap to make. And he's like, I I don't want to make money off of it. Just charge everybody a dollar for whatever insulin they need. It's inexpensive. It literally costs like a fraction of a penny to make. And now to get like one box of insulin or, you know, like one month's supply is like $400, $400 fucking dollars. And it's like, what in the fuck are you guys doing? Like, I don't know how they got the patent on it or they like somehow forced the patent out of this guy's hands and now they're charging out the ass for it. And so I can't take the insulin that I want, even though they're still going to get paid the same amount, the insurance company and everybody, like they're still paying out the ass for the insulin that I'm currently taking, but I can't take the insulin I want to take. And I have to go to CVS to get it. I can't go to a different pharmacy. So even if I, you know, was a, a supporter of a mom and pop uh, pharmacy, I couldn't go there. I only can go to CVS.
1: Yeah, our medical system is fucked. I, I thought for sure that our best chance to get some sort of universal coverage would have been the pandemic. But Yeah, that clearly, would have been a great, that not a great rally happen. point. Well, you would think that it would be readily apparent to everybody that we need to do something.
0: That's the problem is it's readily apparent to everybody under the age of 80. But all of our politicians are over 80, so they don't care.
1: Right. That's kind of like the border crisis, too, you know? Yeah. Like the options. I just don't understand why the clear solution isn't just done. You know, yeah the solution's very simple. It's just they would rather have it be a political football instead of doing something.
0: Which crisis is this again?
1: Well, we have an illegal immigrant we've had an illegal oh, the immigration, immigration. problem yeah. in this country forever. And instead of creating a you know, green card system that made sense with our farming mm-hmm. economy and with our construction economy, we just pretend yeah. like it's not a problem. And it gets worse and worse for the American worker. As a result, you know, I've worked directly with illegal immigrants and having illegal immigrants on a job site definitely lowers the working conditions for everybody else, you know? Uh, And it makes a great threat for the managers to, you know, they're like, we'll just replace you all with illegal workers if you don't do X, Y, and Z, that's technically against the law. And people will comply most of the time. You know, that's a great threat.
0: So are you pro or anti like immig- immigrant workers then? Uh, or like, are they well, like, alien I'm workers? like, I'm just a
1: realist, right? We, we as an, as a country, uh, use immigrant labor a lot. So whether I'm for it or against it is kind of irrelevant. Like I'm for people of all, uh, you know, stripes succeeding in America. So. I want those people to be protected and I Yeah, I mean that, I guess it's
0: multifaceted. So like right. it's it's a very complicated you know, issue. You, I'm against want,
1: legal workers in the sense that I don't think that there should be anybody hired illegally. But I think the solution to that is coming up with the green card system that would allow people to get temporary that,
0: that would make work them legal
1: permission Right. That would like make them not, legal workers. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's not, not a problem. To like I mean send them back. Like no, you not no. you're not like a send them back where they came from no these uh, people
1: have jobs i mean yes uh yeah. if you look at a, a town in minnesota that i visited my cousins live over there uh long prairie minnesota okay um, there's a slaughterhouse well pretty much everybody that works at the slaughterhouse is mexican like born in mexico mexican and they have a lot of farms and they have a lot of mexican farm workers there too and if it wasn't for those people long prairie minnesota would not exist There would be nobody there because all of the indigenous white population left for the cities. You know, they all left because there's nothing there. And the people that took those jobs should have rights. And they get, by the way, the uh, ICE bus farmers hire illegal uh, immigrants all the time in that area. It's very common. Uh, My cousin complains about it constantly, which he's like the you know, kick all the illegals out of the States. It's like, no, dude, they're, they're doing a job that's important and they need to get protected, but the corporations don't want those people to be protected. They want to be able to abuse them. So that's what I think is happening is that the businesses don't want, they want to keep their illegal workforce because they don't have to pay a minimum wage and they don't have to follow any laws.
0: Yeah. They don't have to put them on their uh, workers' compensation plan.
1: Right. They don't have to do any of that stuff. And it's like, that's bullshit for them, for like the workers themselves, you know, it's crap.
0: I always had like a, um, I don't know, a, like a moral quandary almost. Um, and it was really weird. And we talked about uh, like, and I think this is true, um, but uh, we talked about Ayn Rand and like how into her that I was. Um, oh, Yes. And actually, I just the other day I went and got rid of um, not all my Ayn Rand books, but about half of them. Like I kept the fiction ones, you know, the novels. Uh, sure. But I got rid of like the you know like her treatises and like journals and like whatever. Like I don't need that shit. Um, <clears throat> because a lot of a lot of like her stuff uh, kind of comes through with the the novels anyway, the fictionalized novels, and and most of that stuff in the novels is digestible and it's okay. You know, it's, it's, um, not really any different than, uh, oh, what's the series called? It's like the, uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, you know, the C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Um, cause that's all like Christian mythology, basically. Um, yes. with heavy Christian overtones and undertones and, and whatnot. But, you know, but that's still, it's an enjoyable book regardless, you know, the C.S. Lewis stuff. Like, hey, it's a, it's a talking lion. Cool, the kids get to go on a magical adventure. Um,
1: right. I, I love uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, and I also love The Space Trilogy
0: uh, by C.S. Lewis. I haven't read I re- The Space Trilogy. I read... Um, recommend. I read the, the, the Screwtape Letters by him, and that was very interesting. Uh, I haven't ha-
1: read those yet. I want to.
0: I would, I would highly recommend that, too. Um in college one of my high school friends and I we kind of did a uh, kind of like a reading club where uh, she'd recommend like a book then we'd read it together and talk about it afterwards and then I'd recommend a book and we'd and 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 stuff and so uh, but of course she knew that I was uh, and I wasn't atheist at the time but she knew I was like struggling with my Lutheran upbringing Um, but the C.S. Lewis screw tape letters is very interesting and he was a lot more open-minded than one would think Um, in that based on, you know, some of the other stuff you, you might hear about him. Um, and I think that might be true of a lot of people, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people might be more open-minded than you think, um, based on what the masses say. Um, especially with some of the flag stuff that we talked about earlier at the start of the episode. Right. Um, but that's interesting. But, um, but anyway, back to immigration and Ayn Rand basically was, I think was saying it was either her or her, um, what do you call it when they carry on the the mantle of the uh, the philosophy uh, that person? Uh, but yeah. they're saying that open open borders was kind of the answer. But their their thing was like America is the greatest country on earth, which it's probably not. Uh, it depends on what what you're judging it on based on, right? But um, well, the word "greatest" is very loaded. Well, it's loaded, but, you know, their opinion was America's greatest country. Of course, people want to come here. And why should who are we to to say that they can't, you know, Um, and why would you make the greatest country and then not let everybody come here? You know, so it's kind of like it was one of those weird like they were being very logical uh, despite some of the other uh, bits of their philosophy. Um, And it was like, well, I guess that makes sense. Like, why? Why do we care? But I mean, I know we why we care because of like voting and all sorts of other things. But everyone here that's not a member of an indigenous tribe is an immigrant to here, you know. So uh, at least at some point, you know, somewhere along their family lines. And it's very interesting because and that's why you have the separations in New York City, because, you know, you have a Chinatown. Because that's where the first Chinese immigrants settled or had to settle or were forced to live. And that's where the rest of them then went. And, but now it's like you go to New York City, oh, you have to go see Chinatown. Well, what makes those immigrants better than the immigrants from Mexico that are being held in cages? Like, what's, like, I don't understand. (laughs) You know, it doesn't make sense if you think about it, like, historically.
1: What I find so amusing about that is that. Biden is doing the same thing that Trump did, and Trump was doing the same thing that Obama did, and so on and so forth. They all yeah, the all the way shit. back. It's it's been this way since Operation Wetback back in the fifties. Even before then, you know, if you really want to get into the the uh, Mexican Civil War and how Pancho Villa tried to get the United States involved because of politics down there, it's been this way forever, uh, especially down in the South. Southwest and uh, It's dumb. It's so stupid Uh, What's not stupid is like I say I've worked on many job sites with illegal workers and it's definitely not good To have illegal workers working with you anywhere ever It is bad for everybody involved,
0: but now the question is 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 it bad because of the illegal workers, or is it bad because of the company that is employing those illegal workers?
1: It's bad because of the company, of course. It's not like those individual human beings' uh, fault that, you know, they're being a tool in the exploitation game, you know. And I've had heated uh, arguments with illegal aliens on job sites over certain things. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's going to do what they're going to do. You know, I, I got into a fight one time with a guy because he pretended like he couldn't speak English. Uh, and he was taking my scissor, not my scissor lift, my JLG, like a 60-foot lift. We were doing this huge wire pole way up in the air. And I needed the damn thing. It was like 35 below zero. Yeah. And uh, he pretended like he didn't speak English. And he started speaking English very quickly once I started losing my shit. <laughs> You know, so they I mean, like anybody else, you're going to use everything to your advantage. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you're you know,
0: being, you know, they're being exploited and you're being exploited just by the fact that the company is exploiting them, you know?
1: Right. Oh, yeah. And that particular company, you know, I know at least one of their guys died on that job. But at the end of the project, they're like, oh, you know, this electrical company had three injuries and this many man hours and we had zero. And this many man hours and it was like you know dwarfed our man hours yeah and in the safety meeting it was like are you fucking joking me a guy one of your guys fucking died (laughs) but because that guy was illegal never got recorded
0: yeah it doesn't count then
1: doesn't count i mean the guy was covered in blood and they carried him out on a stretcher and threw him in the back of a fucking pickup never saw him again so i'm sure it was fine he was seriously injured
0: they put him back um back with his family and right. uh, oh, he got he hit has, by, he has, uh,
1: by an excavator.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm paid, sure. i
1: guessing he died. You know? I'm
0: sure he's enjoying, uh, you know, free Thanksgiving meals on um, behalf of the company. You know, the company pays right. for a turkey to be delivered right. to him. He's certainly not dead. He was tired that day for sure, but uh, right. Well, that's what I mean no. by
1: it's not good for those people, and it's not good for me either. <laughs> it's bad for everybody other than the company that hires him. Yeah, You know, and I understand why they, they want to make the wage up here versus down in Mexico. I get that. And I'd do the same thing if I was in their position, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Well, but, now it's not a big a deal because, like, this is the first time that the euro and dollar have been almost one-to-one. For a long right. time.
1: Yeah, that helps like the exchange south, rate. Yeah, that helps out Mexicans a lot. And South Americans. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean I don't know if it does or doesn't. I'm just saying like yeah. that you know, those people that say, Well, America's the best and you know, the dollar's the strongest and it's like it's well, I don't know if the dollar's stronger now or worse now. I mean I know the, the euro used to be a lot better, but Europe's having their own issues too, so
1: Right. And that's a lot of these are self inflicted wounds. Uh, you know. I wanted to bring up uh so for the second time in the last several years, I listened to a Vladimir Putin uh, speech, uh, and for the, se- for the second time, listening to all this propaganda, it's all propaganda, obviously, uh, but I was embarrassed that our government was less competent than theirs, and I wished that we had a leadership that was as competent as theirs.
0: Yeah, as Russia's like, uh, or uh, as Ukraine's? As Russia's,
1: as, as Russia's you know, as Vladimir, I don't mean, I don't want Vladimir Putin to be president or anybody like him, but he is a competent politician and it makes me sad that, uh, it's just so sad, you know, how can the quote unquote enemies of America have these competent politicians and we have just shit leadership everywhere, you know, every level of the federal government just sucks, (laughs) you know?
0: No argument for me there.
1: Yeah. it was. It's embarrassing. But, uh, the, the first one was when Trump was president and Vladimir Putin did an interview with a blind, a little blind girl that got injured in an accident. And he was so eloquent and everything. And it was like a great bit of propaganda. And I'm like, man, our president could never do that. <laughs> and this last one was, he was, you know, basically telling the truth about American policies. <laughs> Which, again, it's like, well, the government's so fucking incompetent that we write the propaganda for him. He doesn't need the lie uh, all the he time. doesn't even He doesn't
0: <laughs> even really need a spin team for some of the shit that we're doing these days.
1: Right, yeah, he doesn't need a spin team. He just needs to tell the truth. It's like, well, how shitty is that?
0: <laughs> it's like, our Wait. politicians should be telling us the truth before any other country can learn enough about it to know what how bad we are you know like that's what we need
1: right you know it's embarrassing in many ways it's a bit embarrasses me but which is probably why that vote on contraception like that bothered me like really yeah. you guys can't even get together on this issue like this is not a problem right
0: and well it shouldn't condoms be.
1: and vending machines at bowling alleys for god's sakes <laughs> you know, like, the i have
0: yet to figure out why but uh yeah uh, you know it's just a tradition
1: <laughs> just a tradition i love the condiment machine at bowling alleys i always check them out every time i go to a new one
0: yeah is there see, new you know is there a new french tickler what's what's new in condom technology is there something i right. need to be introducing oh in i the like bedroom? the
1: novelty part where it's like you know uh, foolproof birth control. And it's like a piece of paper that says put between your legs and keep there, you know, shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stupid shit. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> For 75 cents, I can have a chuckle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why they sell, uh, like Giorgio Armani cologne at Bowling Alley's. That's always gotten me. Uh, a lot of them Who knows? sell cologne in the men's room.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people must buy it, right?
1: I'm guessing that they do. uh,
0: This isn't cologne related, but it's similar because when my brother was here, he came to visit for about a week and uh, we were riding our bikes around. And one day we were coming back to the house here and they were within like two blocks. There was like three or four ice cream trucks. And we were sitting there like, I don't know. With the price of gas, I don't know how profitable an ice cream truck is. And for there to right. be three or four of them in the neighborhood at the same time. Like, I I don't know. I don't know how they make their money. Um, but they were all here. It doesn't make any sense. Like, they can't be selling that much ice cream.
1: I know that the fair food guys make a lot of goddamn
0: money. Yeah, that but they don't have they eat. to. They don't have like to go, go anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. And they and they buy the super cheap stuff from the grocery store or whatever, cook it up, heat it up, and then they charge, you know, five, ten times what it's worth.
1: Well, they deep fry it. You know. Well, yeah. And that's a, a great combination. Makes you sick, but it's,
0: it's good. Small going price in. to pay for deep fried food.
1: Right. Absolutely. Uh Sarah bought a, a lot of band shirts when we were at Rockfest. Okay. And uh, I was looking at them, and the t shirts are like Gildan brand. Oh, they're yeah. Like the cheapest Chinese shit. But they have a yeah. the screen print of the band, so now they're worth 40 bucks.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> they, they couldn't even get a tagless, decent shirt to put their fucking sc- screen print on. <laughs>
0: Well, and that's the same, uh, you know, a lot of the shirts and a lot of the, uh, you know, New York merchandise in New York City is crazy expensive. Uh, But we went down to Coney Island and all the shirts were like $12 or less. And uh, so we're like, holy, holy shit, that's nice. You know, nice to have a place that's not crazy overpriced. And of all the places Coney Island could be because it's, you know, an amusement park and a beach, you know, so. Right. interesting that was refreshing to have like a normal priced t-shirt
1: yes complete Um, with the
0: screen printing and everything so
1: right if and when I go I'll keep that in mind they have crazy knife laws in New York too
0: oh yeah they do I saw some like uh, for some of the attractions you know like the blade has to be it's a length and a width requirement and everything so
1: length and width and it cannot be opened with one hand yeah which i've seen videos of the cops taking like a leatherman and grabbing the blade and flicking it open with the handle and arresting people okay so like a buck 110 or something like it's
0: not intended to be opened single-handedly just yeah, because it's you intended can to be do it
1: but it can physically be done so they'll still arrest you yeah it's insane like that's gonna help people yeah uh, it's kind of like in uh, Minneapolis, it's illegal to carry a razor, technically. So, you know, like all the construction workers with their razor knives, pocket oh, yeah. razor knives, technically against the law in the city of Minneapolis. You know, how stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is... Whatever. I don't know how often they enforce that, though, here, but...
1: I'm guessing against somebody of my complexion, Never. Yeah, I'm guessing against somebody that is differently looking, probably more often than you would like to think. Probably. Probably, unless they're wearing, you know, construction boots. You know, a lot of that is situational too. But if they
0: just unloaded their clips into somebody's back, it was because of the the razor knife they had.
1: Right. Well, that's the. Have you heard the defense of the I I 60 or the 169 shooting? No. I don't know if you've heard about that. So there was like a gangland style killing of like a local football, sports ball coach, like just some random dude. And uh, these two gentlemen shot. Somebody in the car shot this guy just driving down the road. It had nothing to do with anything. And their defense is that you can't prove which one of them did it.
0: Well, <laughs> um, there, there you go, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a great defense. <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do with that, but very interesting. So depressing, but that's life. I'm about uh, three quarters of the way through with this cigar right now.
0: I've got like two inches left.
1: I got a little bit more than that. Um it's okay. I mean it's it's, it's... not it's good.
0: It's good. It's it's awfully strong for how big it is, I think.
1: It's very strong. Very slow smoking because it's so strong. You got to really, Yeah. I have to lay off of it. Um, definitely something that I would smoke in a communal setting if I was going to chit-chat, you know?
0: Yep. I, could I I'd vastly prefer the Connecticut wrapper on this uh, howitzer.
1: So do I. So do I.
0: It still hasn't really changed flavor for me either.
1: No, it's just dark and strong. Yeah. Um, Which is all right, you know. It's fine. Yeah. They used to sell the cigar. It was like Lumberjack Land or Lumberland, some kind of shitty-ass amusement park in the woods on a lake that was around years ago. I never bought a cigar from there because I was too young, but they were huge. They were like ridiculously huge, and I always wondered if that was a real cigar or if it was just a novelty. And that's kind of what this reminds me of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this it's is good. The, it's the tobacco good, yeah. is is good quality, but you know, it's is bigger than I would want with this strength.
1: Right. It's it's it, that's what I mean. Is it's kind of like a novelty because it is so big and so strong not bad just yeah yeah overwhelming to an extent even for me uh, it's overwhelming so which tells me that the average well, I, I would call myself an average cigar smoker I'm not like some superman or anything but I like darker cigars most of the time. I like darker
0: cigars most of the time, but I also prefer the spicy ones. And the Connecticut wrapper had a nice, really nice flavor change, you know, halfway through and and then towards the end. Um, Right. And that's maybe not, uh, you know, maybe complex uh, is better than, you know, just brute strength, I guess. Um, So I guess I'd recommend the Connecticut Howitzer.
1: Over this for sure yeah i would uh, i would recommend the asylum 13 over this as well
0: yeah me as well
1: yeah so
0: but uh yeah i think uh i think that can be it for the episode we'll we'll finish these up but uh those are kind of our thoughts on this uh cigar and thanks for joining us
1: yes everybody have a profitable week